Good morning, New City. My name's Nicole. My husband, Josh, and two kids have called New City home for almost six years, um, and I'm honored to, to pray for us this morning. So if we'll bow our heads and open our hearts for prayer. Lord Jesus, nurture us with the strength of Christ. The longer we try to conquer our days based on our strengths, the longer we fail to produce the fruit that glorifies you. The longer we wait to live a life as Christ lived in complete reliance on you. Lord, many components of our lives, kids, relationships, jobs, commitments, distract us from our connection from you. Help us this morning to be completely focused and not distracted. Your words say in verse 4, John 15, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce the fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Father, teach us to abide in Christ and he in us, to live our lives as you would have us, in total dependence upon you. Lord, help us to produce the fruit in our lives that is honoring to you. You say in 5 John 15, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, I pray that we abide in you this morning and live out your love as Christ has modeled to us. In your glorious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. And amen. Uh, thank you, Nicole, for, for leading us in the prayer. So grateful for um, your heart and your, your willingness to do that. You know, we're beginning, as we've already said, our, our summer sermon series that we're calling Let Us Pray, where we're going to be spending the next seven weeks um, talking and thinking about prayer. And as part of, and as part of that series and this series, uh, we're going to be trying to incorporate different moments, but also some additional voices um, um, into it, which is great. And so thank you again, Nicole, for leading us there. Um, my name is Nick Schreiber. I'm the care pastor here at New City. And uh, so if you're uh, visiting today, we're so grateful that you're here. If you're joining us um, at New City Live, we're, we're glad you're, you're watching for, from wherever you are this, this morning. It's always a privilege whenever I get to, to open up God's Word and to preach. And, um, and I would say that, man, I'm excited for this series. And as I've gotten to sit and think into prayer uh, in preparation for this morning, um, I would say say that God has been using it uh, in my own life personally, um, and it's been challenging in a convicting kind of way, um, because as you dig deep, you start to realize, Lord, please work, work in me. Please teach me how to pray. And I'd ask you the same question, how is your, how's your prayer life? Um, I bet that most of us in this room, like myself, as we step into this topic in series, would probably say, yeah, my prayer life's probably not where I want it to be. Or I know that I, know that I need to make it more, a more central practice in my life. And, and again, we're on a journey uh, together into this because, again, I'd say me too. 
as we as a, as a leadership team have thought about this theme for the summer, the topic of prayer kept creeping into our conversation and into our, our hearts. Um, because as we, we know that prayer is a core characteristic of the Christian life. It's essential for our growth. Um, and yet, prayer for many of us is inconsistent. Maybe it's a mystery. Maybe we'd even say it's unenjoyable. And, and, I, and I would say, too, that all of us in this room come into this topic with different experiences around prayer. So when you think about prayer, uh, some of our minds go to that time before a meal or, or praying before we go to bed. How many of you have fallen asleep while praying? Um, probably many of us in this room. Um, how about those prayers that you rifle at the Lord before a test or, or before you walk into a meeting? Like, Lord, help me. Remember, I need to remember this question. Some of you have very meaningful prayers that you've memorized, and some of you have, have um, walked in it more casually. Some of us have been discipled in prayer, and some of us, if we're honest, would say that, you know, I've, I struggle with prayer, and I wonder, does it even work? Does it make a difference? Why, why is it so hard for me? And I'd say that say this out of the, at the outset, that we acknowledge that we're all coming into this from different places, but it's our hope and our prayer through this series that, that God would meet you right where you're at, and that God would help us all um, kind of lean into prayer and lean into Jesus more through, through these next seven weeks. But let me ask us this, what are obstacles to prayer? Now, we can't spend a ton of time here this morning because I just want to kind of address it here at the beginning because we could come up with a whole list. What are the obstacles to prayer? And so I I have thought of three that I really do think um, that it's important for us to name because I want us to pay attention to, to them as we go through the series. I want you to pay attention to them in your own life because I do believe they obstruct the way of prayer that we're called to. And the first obstacle that I, I see pretty relevant in my own life is, is noise. We live in a culture with so much noise, don't we? From nonstop news cycles to endless entertainment streaming to those phones that rarely leave our presence. And don't forget about the music and the podcasts that are so fun. And, and then you think about all the myriad of voices in our lives that are just constantly speaking to us. And let me say this, that even even if we were to silence all the external noise that doesn't negate all the internal noise that's still running wild in our minds and in our hearts. So we need to pay attention to the noise. And why? Because noise makes it hard to hear. Noise makes it hard to listen. It's hard to discern the Lord's voice when all the other things are kind of clamoring for our attention. So that's the first obstacle, but here's the second. The second obstacle that I think we need to pay attention to is busyness. And now noise and busyness, they can be married to each other, I think, but, but just think about how busy we are. We as a people live such busy lives that we don't even leave ourselves much margin outside of our responsibilities or outside of our activities or outside of our social engagements, and we're moving so fast and we're so busy. What gets lost in that? Time with God. I've heard someone say recently, and it stuck with me, said, said this, hurry is the greatest enemy to our spiritual life. Think about that. That's a pretty radical statement. Saying hurry 
is the greatest enemy. Not, not a particular temptation, not social media, not the secular world. Hurry is the greatest enemy to our spiritual life. Our enemy knows that if we don't have margin for God, all starts to crumble from there. And, what, and the question for us is, what kind of margin are you making for God? Or do you often make it to the end of your day and you realize, man, I haven't even thought about God today. And that's a, that's a convicting thing for me. Here's a third obstacle to prayer, independence. We live in a culture that elevates independence and doing on our own. I, I don't need help. I'll, I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. That's hard for me to even ask for help. If I can just strategize long enough, or if I can just whiteboard the problem, or if I can just buy that thing, guess what? I'll be able to, be, I'll be able to figure it out and be just fine. And this is a little convicting because I spend a lot of time in my head doing these types of things, probably more than I spend leaning on the Lord and saying, Lord, what would you have me do here? And I, I kind of embrace this functional independence that, that operates in my life. And Lord, I would just say here at our prayer for me, for us is, Lord, help us. Would you help us think about the noise and the busyness and the independence? And would you help point us that which is maybe greater. But now where do we begin as we start to talk about prayer? Because it's a, it's a broad topic, right? It's like if somebody were to say to you, hey, let's talk about exercise. And you'd be like, uh, all right, are we going to talk about how I exercise, why I exercise, or what is exercise? And I go, yes, that's exactly. So we're going to start here with, all right, what is prayer? So this week and next week, that's the question. And then further on, we're going to talk about, all right, well, why do we pray? And then a couple of weeks later, we'll talk about how do we pray. And, and if I were to ask you, what is prayer? How would you explain it? How would you define it? Well, it's talking to God. It's personal communication with God, which, which it is, and you'd be right. And we'd be right when we say that, because that's often how I respond initially. But, I was, but here's something that I believe is even more central and more foundational about what prayer is, and it's this, that prayer is about relationship. And if you walk away with anything this morning, it's this little statement that prayer is about relationship. That's the core. Eugene Peterson, uh, he wrote this. He says, nearly everyone believes in God and throws casual offhand remarks in his general direction from time to time, but prayer is something quite different. And what's the quite different? What's this transforming perspective that prayer is about relationship? And to, to anchor this, this idea in, a, in our passage this morning, in John chapter 15, I'd love for us to read that. Um, and so if you have a Bible, you can start turning to John chapter 15. We're going to be in just verses 4 and 5. Um, and actually, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand and I'll read the passage while, while we follow along. John 14, or John 15, I'm sorry, John 15, verses 4 and 5. This is the word of the Lord to us today. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord to us today. You can be seated. 
remain in me and I will remain in you. Or your version might use the word abide. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Now you might be thinking, Nick, this might be one of your pastor ninja tricks because this passage doesn't even mention the word prayer. And to that I'd say, well, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think, it's, I think this passage is such a good and right place for us to start as we talk about this topic. You see, the context of these verses is that, is that last night between Jesus and his disciples before his arrest and then his crucifixion. So it's that last supper night where Jesus and his disciples, um, have, they've left the upper room and they're, they're, they're nearing or they're at the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and you can imagine Jesus seeing, seeing vines and seeing branches and seeing the, the garden scene. And it's here that Jesus says to his disciples what I think is Jesus is saying, this is the key to the entire Christian life. Here's the key. He says, remain in me. Stay connected to me. Now, the Greek word used here for remain also carries with it this idea to abide or to stay or to dwell with. It's the same term that John uh, would use when he wrote about Jesus calling the 12 to be his disciples. So he's calling them to come and abide with him, to stay with him, to dwell with him, to be with him. And so it's a very relational term. It's the same term that in John 14, John uses to talk about how the Holy Spirit will come and abide in us, will dwell with us. Again, it's very intimate. So even though the passage doesn't mention the word prayer, I believe that the more we learn and practice abiding, the more we learn and practice prayer and vice versa. Because prayer is rooted in abiding. And abiding is applied through prayer. And both circle through in around relationship. I heard this illustration as I was preparing for this, this series of messages by Eugene Peterson about prayer, and I believe it's helpful for us. And he likens prayer to an intimate dinner scenario. And he says this, he says, suppose yourself at dinner with a person whom you care about very much. So a friend, a spouse, um, somebody important to you, and the dinner is in a, a fine restaurant where everything is arranged to give you a sense of privacy. There's adequate lighting at your table and everything else is kind of in, in shadow. You're aware of other, other persons and other activity that's happening in the restaurant, but they don't intrude on your intimacy. There's talking and there's listening at the dinner table. There, amounts, there's amounts of, there are amounts of silence at the dinner table at the time, but it's full of meaning and there's this, this unique moment. From time to time, a waiter does come. He, he comes to your table, you ask questions of him, you order food, you ask to have your glass of water refilled, you, you may even, maybe even send food back, but at the end of the day, you thank the waiter for his attentive service and you give him a tip. And then when the meal and time are done, you and the person you're there with, you depart. You're still talking, you're still enjoying the person whom you just dined with, but out on the street, conversation is more casual and it kind of flows where the circumstances or the moments take it. Now, Eugene Peterson says this is a picture of prayer. The person with whom we set aside this time for intimacy, this most personal conversation is God. At such times, the world is not banished, but it's in the shadows, it's on the periphery. Prayer is the desire to listen to God firsthand and to speak to God. And setting aside the time and making the arrangements to do it. And in all issues from this conviction that God is immensely important to me and what goes on between us demands exclusive attention. But the illustration has a twist in it. 
For he says that there's a a parody of prayer that we all too often engage in, where the, the details of the scene are the same, but there's two differences. And this is the switch. He says often the first difference is that the person sitting across from us is ourself. And the second is that we make God to be the waiter. And so he says this, he says, the waiter God is essential, but, it, but he's peripheral. You can't have the dinner without him, but he's not an intimate participant in it. He's someone whom we give orders, make complaints. Maybe at the end we give thanks. The person we're absorbed in, though, is ourself because we're constantly thinking about what do I need to do? What's my mood like? What are my interests? What are my strategies? And sadly, in th- this scenario, we leave the restaurant, we forget about the waiter until the next time we're there. And it's a convicting illustration, but I think it helps us think about this idea that prayer is about relationship, but so often do we make God to be the waiter in the scene. Kerry Newhoff says it this way, he says, prayer is not a button to be pushed, it's a relationship to be pursued. And any relationship, if it's to grow, needs private space, needs time together where you can know each other. And prayer is the environment where this closeness happens. Now, for the rest of our time to to expound um, on this idea and to continue to lay some framework around prayer for us in this first message, I want us to look at three facets of prayer that continue to help us describe what it is, but also that I think each of these flow out of this idea that prayer is about relationship. And so here's the first facet. And if you're taking notes, this is where you would want to write down the first facet of prayer surrounds the practice of prayer. And the practice of prayer is about conversation and connection. And this makes sense because conversation implies that it's relational at its core. And what's, what's healthy conversation like? Well, healthy conversation has both listening and speaking. It has listening and responding. The Lord speaks to us and we listen. We speak to Him and He listens. Now, if your prayer life is anything like mine, I, I'm a lot better at speaking than I am at listening. I probably bring a lot more words to the conversation than I do to, to just listen or to be still or to wait. But it's a little tricky, isn't it? Because how do we listen if we can't hear God's voice audibly? Well, how would you answer that? Well, God speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us in Christ. He speaks to us through His Holy Spirit, who He's given to us to live in us. He speaks to us through community, the body of Christ, whom the Holy Spirit also indwells. But again, all of this implies the need for margin, for quiet, for time in His Word with Him, with others, for intentionality. And I've been been trying to practice this more personally over the last couple months, uh, trying to be really intentional about minimizing the inputs that are in my life, especially in the morning time. So as I'm getting up in the morning, as I'm trying to create environments where I used to go right to the podcast, right to the book I'm reading, right to the news, right to Sports Center, and I'm going, all right, Lord, I need to, I need to, I need to minimize the inputs. Again, not that it takes all the stuff in my mind away, but trying to be more intentional to go, I I need to create environments for conversation with you. So how can I be still? How can I be quiet? How can I continue to practice speaking to you? You know, conversation builds relationships. And I read this quote by David Pallison. He says, prayer is meant to be the conversation where your life 
and your God meet. And it's, and it's at that intersection that the more we're mindful of God's presence in that intersection to go, hey, let's talk to him or let's listen. And here's the deal. We just don't pray um, to have a conversation, but what we pray for, what the goal of this prayer is that we need connection. This is the, that's the primary goal of prayer is to connect or to abide or to commune with God, to encounter God. Isn't it, it's amazing that God's designed us to be able to interact and have a relationship with the God of the universe. That's what we're created for. It's what God's grace in Christ Jesus has enabled that we can know God. And it's from this connection and it's from this intimacy that all the other myriads of prayers flow. It's out of the relationship that all the other prayers flow. Like when we, when we exclaim in worship or we, 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 in our relationship with Jesus, I go, man, Lord, I'm sorry and I repent. Or I give him thanks for something in my life. Or, or I, I bring to him all that I, I need help with. And I'm going, Lord, could you help me? But it all flows out of this relationship. I, I, I found these, this, I ran across something I found helpful in my own prayer life, and it's the list of four words that, that helps summarize, I think, the, the core types of prayers that we often pray. And I like how simple they are. Wow, worship, sorry, Lord, I just need to repent. Thank you, or Lord, would you help me? I found them helpful because one, they just helped me learn, just remember how to pray. But it also, I think, as I think about it, it helps me discern, Lord, what, what right now do I need to say to you? How do I, what are you speaking to me? I also just love the fact that they remind us that sometimes, oftentimes, prayer can be simple. It doesn't need to be so many words, but it can be this bent towards the Lord. Lord, thank you for who you are. Look what you've created. Lord, I'm so scared right now. Would you help me? Lord, I just blew it again. I just blew it again. I sinned again. I said that thing again. Lord, would you forgive me? And so I just, I give this to us. We think about this idea of conversation and connection because it's out of that relationship that these flow. Here's the second facet. The second facet of prayer uh, that, that helps us talk about what prayer is, it has to do with the posture of prayer. That there's a posture of prayer and it's one of both dependence and trust. Often when I describe a prayer is I'll describe it with, with these two words. It's an act of dependence or it flows from trust. Dependence is this idea that I can do nothing apart from him. That reminds us of John 15, right? I can do nothing apart from him. And trust, it's based on our relationship with God and knowing him to be our source of help. Now listen, prayer doesn't require polish it doesn't require eloquence. It doesn't require perfection. It doesn't even require the removal of all doubts. But there is something that, that prayer does require. And it's this posture. It's these two things, dependence, dependence and trust. Paul Miller, pastor, he writes this. He says, the beautiful thing about prayer is that we can come overwhelmed with life. We can come with a wandering mind. And we can come messy. We can come with all of our struggles and questions. We can come with full honesty. We can come with boldness. And we see that all through the Psalms. We can even pray things like, like the phrase in Mark 9, I do believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. But with all the struggles and all of our messiness, there's a posture. And the posture of, it's a posture of dependence and trust, which makes, which makes sense because I don't think I'd pray otherwise if I didn't depend on him or if I didn't trust him. 
Jesus' life of prayer models this posture of dependence, which is crazy to think about that as God the Son, being in the very nature of God, he depended on and realized his need for the Father. And you see a glimpse of this in John chapter 8, and I want to just have us look at this passage for a second. John chapter 8, verses 26 through 29 says this, he says, I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me. So Jesus is is in debate with the Pharisees, and they're, they're, they're questioning who he is. And he says, I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me, and he's completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. And so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Talk about dependence. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father has taught me. I can do nothing apart from him. And this is Jesus. Imagine you and me. And do you see the trust and the relationship there between him and the Father? Jesus knowing that that his Father is with him and him desiring to always do what pleases his Father. And this explains why often in the Gospels you see Jesus waking up early or staying up late or going out of his way to find moments to be with his Father, to abide with him. Jesus in his prayer life is modeling for us what that looks like for how we ought to pray. And trust is built and flows from this relationship. And for us as Christians, trust flows from our identity in Christ. So the more I know who I am in Christ, what he's done for me, what he's done in me, the more I know that I am a beloved child of God, the more that I know that I have full access now because of the blood of Christ, the the more I know that who I am, the more I can know that I can come to him anytime with anything. And trust enables my prayers to be honest and they enable my prayers to be bold. I love what Pastor Chris said a few weeks ago. He says that only a child of the king can enter the king's chamber in the middle of the night to ask for a cup of water. And with God as our father, scripture tells us that that it's his desire to give good gifts to his children. And so in our trust of that and who who we are, we can come to him, speak to him. Also trust and dependence are cyclical. The more I realize how much I need him and how much I how much he's trustworthy, the more I then will trust and depend and keep coming to him. It's why that that verse in Proverbs 3, 5 is so, such a balm to so many of us, such a help to us. My dad refers to Proverbs 3, 5 as his 4 a.m. verse. It's the verse that the Lord prompts him when he's awake. What do I do, Lord? You trust in the Lord with all your heart and depend on me, not on your own understanding. What in your life is the Lord calling you to depend on Him for? Or what is the Lord asking you to trust Him with? Those, the answer to those two questions will be great things to pray to Him about. Because the posture's already there. You already realize, I need you, help me, I need to depend on you for this. So that's the second facet. The third facet of prayer has to do with the power of prayer. The power of prayer moves us to think about God's kingdom and God's care. Now, I can't spend a lot of time here, but as we think about what prayer is, there is this aspect of prayer where the Lord invites us into this larger story beyond ourselves. 
And he invites us through prayer to participate in his kingdom and in his care in the world. And, and so from relationship, the Lord is pulling us as his people and he's pointing our eyes to his work. He points our eyes to the brokenness of the world. He points our eyes to his love for people. And he teaches us that the prayers of his people are effective. And he calls us to pray for those things, pray for these things. And so the conversation with Jesus moves us beyond just ourselves, our world, to pray for those things that we see out there. And, and there is this component that prayer moves his people to pray for his work, his activity, and his care. And that's really that, the heartbeat behind those two phrases is God's kingdom. Is, it moves us to think about his activity in the world that I'm able to join from here through my prayers, his activity in the world out there. And so we pray things like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Or we pray like Paul taught us to pray for all believers everywhere and for the church. Or the power of prayer inclines my heart to, to know that God, God cares and God listens to the prayers of his people. And because of that, it moves me to think about how God cares about all the things going on in my heart or on, in our hearts. And so everything that you're burdened with, Everything that's going on in your life or the things that you hear about that are brought to your attention, the Lord says, pray those to me. Because my pray, my, the power of prayer, my power can step into those situations and bring healing or comfort or answer. That's why, again, as a church, we invite us, man, would you let us know how we can pray for you? So the, the card that's right there in the seat back, if you put a prayer request, well, we want to pray because we believe that there's power in prayer and when God's people cry out to him, that the Lord uses that somehow in his sovereign plan, invites us into what he does. As I close this morning, and as we jump into this topic of prayer, just again, the characteristics of prayer move around these three facets. It's about conversation and connection. There's a posture about dependence and trust. God's power moves us to think about his kingdom and his, and his care. Next week, actually, we're diving into the Lord's Prayer, talk about what prayer is, and you see the kingdom there. But in all of it, it flows out of this idea that prayer is about relationship. John 15, 4, Jesus says, hey, remain in me and I will remain in you. Abide in him and he will abide in us. And how do we do that? Through relationship and connection, through dependence through prayer. I'd love for us to get to a point where if someone asks me or asks you, hey, how's your prayer life? That it doesn't move to like a quantity of how much I've been praying or a mode of prayer, but it moves to Jesus. It moves to being with him, time with him. How am I enjoying him? But isn't it interesting how we tend to make the Christian life about so many other things besides relationship? We make it about attendance or rule keeping or perfection or our outcomes. Or, and yet where Jesus is ultimately calling us to is to himself. Be with me. Abide with me. That's the key. And let me say one last thing. It's interesting. In John 15, there's this unique verse that comes a little bit after verse 4. Where after he says, remain in me, a few verses later, he makes this pivotal statement. He says, I no longer call you slaves. He's talking to his disciples because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. He says, now you're my friends since I've told you everything the father has told me. Wow. Think about, think about that in terms of relationship. No longer slaves, but friends. 
confiding. He's confiding in us. He's telling us things. He's cha- it's, it transforms our whole relationship. We're no longer dead. We're no longer under wrath, but now we're friends. And how do relationships grow? They grow through time spent. They grow through connection. They grow through prayer. They grow through trust. And Jesus is inviting us to himself. So think about this. Everything I say, every moment of this day can be done in conversation with Jesus because he's always speaking. He speaks to us through his creation. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his son. He speaks to us through his spirit. And I am called to listen and then respond in relationship to him. And that's the core of prayer. And I'd love to, as we close, I'd love to give us a moment today to listen. And so I'm going to actually allow a few seconds of kind of quiet. And I'd encourage you to just kind of get, get settled and spend some time just listening to what the Lord might say. And so let's do that now. Sometimes quiet isn't easy, is it? A little awkward at times, too. But it's a discipline. It's a practice. But I wonder, as you were listening, the Lord calls us to respond. And you remember those four words? Wow, sorry, thanks, help. I wonder what the Lord was maybe nudging you with. What was he speaking to you? And maybe it's one of these areas to praise, to repent, to give thanksgiving, or to, or to ask for help. So take a little bit more time and respond in that way. Whatever the Lord's calling you to pray to Him, pray to Him. So let's take a little, another, another little section and bow our heads. Father, we thank you for, for allowing us to know you, for bringing us, even, in, even um, you paved a way through the cross to forgive our sins, to make us your children, to br- give us your righteousness. And so we can pray to you, we can know you, we can have an intimate relationship with you. Father, you call your people, your, your, this place to be a place of prayer, to as we go through our days to, in our moments, to walk with you, to talk to you. Every, every moment can be moved and scripted towards, 
towards again being mindful of your presence. Help us to do that. We're grateful that we get to sit in this, 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 this topic. I pray that you would allow us to not just make it a topic, though, but make it a way of life. That I would be a person of prayer, that my instinct would be to pray, that my, that my life would be marked by walking and talking with you, that, the joy, that your joy would overflow. May that be true of us. We're so thankful for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us. You're so... We're so unworthy, and yet, God, may we never take for granted the grace and mercy that we have in Jesus. We love you, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you guys for being here with us this morning to worship. Um, before we go, we just want to say there's a couple ways you can respond um, to our worship this morning. First is prayer. If you would like prayer for anything, we'll have people up here praying um, or who would love to pray with you. Uh, but a second thing is we also want to highlight some of our graduating seniors and um, are so proud of them. And, and if you might have noticed on your way in in the lobby, we have uh, some prayer cards and they'll be scrolling on the screen behind us here as well. Uh, but we'll love for you to take a card or two of, of one of our seniors um, and, and just to pray for them. There's some prayer requests on there, and we'd love to ask you to commit to praying for them over the summer, over the next year, and just uh, to partner with them and to help support and encourage them. Um, but an, another way to respond as well, we'd love to meet you. Connection point outside in the courtyard. Uh, we, would, we have a gift for you. If you're new, we'd love to give you. We'd love to see you there. And also, if uh, you would like to give as a, another way of worshiping and responding to worship, you can give at newcity.us give, or you can drop an offering in uh, the drop boxes out in the lobby. Uh, before we go, though, I would love to share a benediction with you. So would you extend your arms to receive this benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Have a great week, New City. We love you. Stronger, the victory's already.